Welcome back to Locked On Bears. I'm your host, Lauren Cox from Pro Football Focus and USA Today's BearsWire.com, and I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears talk on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today we are previewing the Chicago Bears Week 8 game against the New Orleans Saints, and I will be joined by a special guest who will help me break down why the Saints have gone on a four-game winning streak heading into this game. We'll touch on what has made their offense so successful, maybe where there are weaknesses in their defense, and we'll wrap up with some bigger game prediction looks at how these two teams match up and how we think it will go down on Sunday. But without further ado... I am joined now by Deuce Windham. He works for ESPN 97.7, he writes for the Canal Street Chronicles, hosts the Who Dat Confessional video podcast, and he spends a lot of time as the social media content manager for the Scouting Academy. You can follow him on Twitter at Rev Deuce Windham. Deuce, thank you so much for coming on to help me preview Bears vs. Saints. I oh, mean, thanks. I think both of our teams um, are really the two types of teams that unless you actually follow those teams, whether you're media or fan, nobody gave any chance of success for either of them coming in this year. So it's good to be part of both fan bases this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you started there because I think there were a, a number of Bears fans that looked at this Saints team, particularly the last couple of years, finishing in that, uh, you know, that seven and nine kind of range. And then they start 0-2, and maybe Bears fans get a little bit excited that Sean Payton maybe could be available. The Bears have Ryan Pace as general manager, formerly of the Saints yeah. front office, that maybe the Saints team's going to have one more bad year, and they may might make the mistake of losing a good coach. But then they rattle off four wins in a row here, and they're now 4-2, and sitting very pretty there in the NFC South. So I wanted to start there. What has been the key for four and oh in the, in the last four games well i think for a lot of people especially i mean if you just log on a pro football reference look at what the saints have been you would assume a guy like sean payton is on the hot seat but the truth is that's really not the case i mean you see the reports come out every year from nfl.com and ian rapaport but honestly new orleans has just gone through a rebuild and usually when you see a team go through a rebuild you see the front office change you see every coaching staff change well for new orleans the entire defensive coaching staff has changed twice. The entire scouting department is gone. There's a new GM because Mickey Loomis is basically the president. He has the title general manager, but he actually is over both the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans for Tom Benson. So he's more in a presidential role. So now Jeff Ireland is basically your GM. And you basically turned over almost the entire roster as well. So the Saints have gone through a pretty rough rebuilding period. It's just a little different because you expect to see a new ho- head coach in that and usually a new GM and now they've just kept that head coach and promoted other guys from within and then got some new guys, sent Adam Pace to you guys up there in Chicago. So that's the thing. It's, you look at 7-9, you figure it's a struggling coach, but if you look at the roster and actually what they're doing, they've rebuilt from within, and that's how you've been able to see this team come out. This year you look at the youngest uh, team in the NFL and the youngest defense since 1991, if memory serves, and that's all part of the rebuild process. Well, that rebuild process eventually is going to involve a change at the quarterback position, but it still feels like that's a number of years out of you know in the future because Drew Brees just continues to play at such a high level, and we've seen yeah. you know no, no difference at all this year. 
Well, I, what's amazing is we, we say this, and it has to be true eventually at 38 that he's going to decline. I won't lie. There are some things like arm strength that, you know, he's 38. It's not what it was when he's 28. But the guy is having his third season in a row of a quarterback rating of 100 or higher. And if he continues on this pace, it'll be his seventh season in his career of a quarterback rating of 100 or higher. At 38 years old, he's got a rating that high. He's just, he's just having a phenomenal year. It seems to be it's just this level of consistency. And I think part of what is able to make that offense with him so effective is the way that they've continued to, especially a little bit more later in his career, get the ball out quickly. They're they're a quick-throwing offense for the most part. They they can still mix in those deep shots. But is this a team that, I mean, is is the success here getting yards after the catch in in that sense, or is it it more? I mean, would you describe it as dink and dunk, or is it just quick? Because I think there's a difference. Yeah, there's definitely a difference. I don't want to use the word dink and dunk because when you say dink and dunk, you just assume little out routes uh, and people getting tackled four yards past the pass or even not even getting that far. No, it's definitely an attack that will stretch the field. They'll use Ted Ginn. They'll use Michael Thomas. They're going to attack 20 yards and deeper. Uh, but they're relying on plays that you saw the New Orleans Saints offense do more back in the 2006 to 2009 era. So you've got Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara who are both being utilized in the screen game a lot more than we've seen in the past couple years and doing it effectively. You've got a big Michael Thomas who's that young split in. He's dominating those slant uh, patterns as you're usually seeing out of a split in guy. So in Compared to two years ago where you're looking at like Jimmy Graham and Brandon Cooks where everybody's just flying down the field and this is high profile, we're throwing the ball 40 yards every play, and it worked. It's the Saints still have success. They're just doing it a different way. So now these shorter passes, you're seeing like Ted Ginn run tunnel screens and he's taking it 20 yards because the offensive line is so good at blocking downfield. It's They're doing the same type of stuff yard-wise. They're just doing it in a different way. That offensive line, it seems like when you have a quick passing offense like this, it takes a lot of pressure off of them. And it's not that mm-hmm. they're uh, a, a group that lacks talent, but they've had up and down moments, uh, and especially with injuries at offensive tackle now too. They've sort of had to throw different guys out there. But are, would you say that they're that they're being masked a little bit? And I guess are they are they then weaker in run blocking simply because they might not just have as much consistency across the board? I actually wouldn't say that. And if anything, they're better at run blocking. Uh, the thing is, when Streif went down, this offensive line got extremely young. You've got Teron Armstead on the outside. You've got Andres Pete, who's a draft pick from a couple years ago. You have Max Unger, who is the oldest that you traded for in the Jimmy Graham trade. You had Larry Warford, who is now injured, but you got Sinio Kelamente in, and then Ryan Ramchek, who you just drafted this draft. Uh, and in terms of run blocking, they've done very well. Mark Ingram is averaging over four yards a carry. Alvin Kamara is averaging over six yards a carry. Uh, it's actually been a strength for them. Now, it was a little bit getting it started, and I think a lot of that was they tried to see if Adrian Peterson still had low gas in the tank, and that was kind of breaking up the rhythm. And since he's gone, Mark Ingram has run two straight games of 100 yards with 20 carries or more, and Alvin Kamara's having 100-yard scrimmage yard games, and the offensive line just looks incredible. So a lot of that was finding the rhythm of this young team and getting them to work together, but I wouldn't say it's a weakness. Uh, far from it, actually. And I guess as this team continues to grow together, it seems like things are are coming together at the right moment here. And that's been a little bit of what the Bears have gotten the last couple weeks, but certainly not anywhere 
near to that level. But I think the one position that still jumps out at me on this offense is tight end. And, and maybe it's because I'm still looking for, you know, the New Orleans Saints offense, Jimmy Graham, you know, you talk about it. And even Kobe Fleener now, you're, you're kind of waiting for something more to come there. And I think Josh Hill has, you know, it has talent. It just hasn't been fully, or I guess he hasn't had a lot of opportunities this year. Is it, is you think it's a position that's been kind of not necessarily intentionally overlooked, but just kind of put to the side as the receivers have kind of stepped up? Well, I honestly think it's just one where the tight ends for New Orleans are just not that great in terms of well-roundedness. And that's not to knock them, but I mean, Bears fans, I got to be honest, if there's a weak position, it, tight end is a weak position. You take a guy like Kobe Fleener. He's a good receiving tight end, but he's not an all-around guy. He's not an inline tight end that you're going to use for a blocking situation. So you take him out and put in a guy like Josh Hill or Michael um, Ho'o Manawanui. Say that 10 times Yeah, fast. I you nailed that one. Yeah, real proud of myself. Uh, but those are the blocking guys, the guys who can block in line, but they're not the greatest receivers. Josh Hill is a guy who's had some talent, but he's had injury problems his entire career. So I would say the tight end group for New Orleans is average, whereas if you look in recent history at a guy like Jimmy Graham, you're used to seeing them be elite at that position. So they are able to do some things. You'll see the Saints come out in 12 personnel, two tight ends, but usually that's a blocking formation. But they will sneak them out because Sean Payton hates when somebody tries to say he has a predictable offense, he's going to run a wrinkle some way, somehow to confuse you. And he'll do that with tight ends. He'll do it with receivers to mask some of those areas that have been deficiencies this year, which would be the receiver group and the tight ends. I can't imagine what it would be like to have an offense that isn't predictable because that's all we've gotten to see in Chicago this season. <laughs> Defense, like the Carolina Panthers last week, the first run of the game for the Bears is outside zone to the side, and four linebackers, or the defensive end jumps the snap to the outside, and the three linebackers step outside before the line even moves, and they all knew which way the run was going. Very, very predictable team. They, they passed seven times in the game, but it does make it easier for defenses to figure out what they're doing. I mean, when the Bears move their running back, Tariq Cohen, out at wide receiver, most of the time they throw it his way, and, and teams have started to pick up on that. But the Saints defense... You know they're going to have those those cues to be able to pick up on that, but there's still some some definite weaknesses at a few different positions here. And I, I point to specifically cornerbacks not named Marcus Lattimore, and, and maybe it's because Marcus Lattimore has been so darn good. But I feel like Ken Crowley, and even you know when Kenny Vaccaro comes down in the slot a little bit, I feel like there's some vulnerability there. I, it, I guess is that where you see concern more in this defense or is it more maybe in the front seven where, where would you say the weakness is here well not not to be the party pooper for you but actually Marshawn Lattimore is getting all the love as the number one corner for pro football focus Ken Crawley opposite of him is number seven per pro football focus he's actually doing a pretty good job now he is more prone to penalties and holding uh, but if there's a weak uh, spot in the Saints, it's not the secondary, but it's the linebacking group. And it can actually be kind of egregious. You know, if you go back and look at the Green Bay Packers game this past week for New Orleans, the front seven, um, the front four, you know, the, the Okafor, the Sheldon Rankins, Cameron Jordan, you'll be hard-pressed as the Bears to find a better line that you're going to face this year. They're having a very stellar season. But the linebacker group, for New Orleans standards, from what they've had the past 10 years, this linebacker group is good. For NFL standards, it's below average. Uh, so there are going to be plays where if you are running, for example, the outside zone, the the Bears' offensive line is probably going to get to the second level and get some good blocks, seal some gaps, and you'll see Jordan Howard get some good runs. I think um, 
that has to be the focus. And don't take offense to this, but the Bears running is not as much, you know, you're hiding away Mitchell Trubisky, like some have said, but it's masking the fact that the Bears might have the worst receiving group in the NFL right now. And I don't think this is a group of receivers for the Bears that you can use to take advantage of the Saints secondary. But what you can do is use a guy like Tariq Cohen or Howard to take advantage of linebackers in the passing game, mismatches there. You know, wheel routes for Tariq Cohen going against a guy like A.J. Klein or Craig Robertson, it just it should be nightmare to a Saints fan and definitely has the potential for big plays for Bears fans. Well, I think you are expecting too much out of the Chicago Bears offensive coordinator. Uh, I don't think we've seen a, a wheel route out of the backfield from Tariqo, and they ran one. Well, look, I mean, it, it's it's a copycat league. I mean, and when you see what works, you'd be remiss. And I realize up there in Chicago, you've got Fox there. He's one of the most notorious conservative coaches in the NFL. But at some point, you do have to open it up. And if you're coming down to the New Orleans Saints Superdome, where that crowd's going to be loud, if you let the Saints get a big lead, you're out. I don't care how good your run game is. If the Saints build a lead on you in the Dome, that's it. So you have to be able to do something if you're the Chicago Bears to have a big play to keep the crowd out of it and keep the Saints from building a 1-2 score game. Because if they do that at home, they've shown historically they're going to win and they're going to win handily. You have to come and strike them. you got to punch them in the mouth first. And I don't think you're going to do that just running the ball traditionally. You've got to have some wrinkles there. Whatever they decide to do, Tree Cohen throws some more passes. I don't care. But if you're <laughs> the Bears, you have got to do something besides just running through the A, B, and C gap all day long. Yeah, they, they like to line him up at wide receiver, but teams have responded more with mm-hmm. just defensive backs. You know, they, they recognize that, hey, A.J. Klein on Tariq Cohen is not a good matchup for us. Yeah, not at all. So when he's in the game, maybe they bring in their nickel package. And then he's running receiver routes pretty effectively, but it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of these predetermined throws where Trubisky snaps it and he looks to Tariq Cohen right away. Like they ran the first play they ran last week. It was a wheel route out of the slot, but actually it was a pick play from the outside wide receiver. It was third and three, like in midfield. And they run a pick play for Tariq Cohen that turned into a wheel wheel right a wheel route and ultimately he dropped it but we see so much of that predetermined stuff that they're they're not letting their rookie quarterback necessarily drop back and make a full field read all the time when he does he's had a lot of success in finding open receivers over the middle of the field and and being able to move the chains in critical third down situations but it, it feels like they don't they don't want to risk turnovers. That's the big thing John yeah. Fox always talks about is turnovers. And off the top of my head, how how well has this – I don't know. How, how well has this Saints defense produced turnovers this season? They are number five in the league. There you go. So you're not going to see <laughs> – I don't think you're going to yeah. see the Bears trying too much. In the past four games, which is the Saints winning streak, here's their uh, passing defensive statistics they've allowed. So the passing defense of the Saints the past four games have allowed only 644 yards. 56% completion percentage, a 4.9 yards per attempt. They've only allowed three TDs. They picked off the ball eight times, and they have 15 sacks. That's been the passing defense for New Orleans over their win streak. The problem there is that their running defense, at least, yeah. you know, has been suspect. I mean, not. I mean, they weren't horrible against the Lions and the Dolphins. It looks like, but last week, Aaron Jones of the Green Bay Packers had some big runs and really mm-hmm. just kind of gashed right through the middle. And I think we're going to see the Bears take a similar game plan to last week against yeah. the Panthers, and that's just run the ball until it doesn't work. And here's the thing with um, – now, one thing I'll give Dennis Allen credit for is he adjusts very quickly. Because if you go and look at that Green Bay game, of those 140 yards that um, they give up, 
over 60, I think almost 70 of them in rushing come on one drive. The very first drive of the game for Green Bay Packers. After that, they adjust and, and don't shut down the run completely, but you see a lot of three and outs because they rely on the run. I do believe that in terms of a running team, Chicago is a really, really good running team. I, I love that old school mentality of running that they provide and that Fox provides. So I think they're going to be able to still hit some of those big plays. But if you don't provide something else, Dennis Allen is going to shut you down quickly because he's very good at making adjustments, especially halftime adjustments. And you'll look the Saints, if you go look at their games this year, second half rolls around, the adjustments come, and points allowed just start to plummet. So I think for if you're the Chicago Bears, you've got to do something with Trubisky. And this has to be, whether it turns into turnovers or not, you've got to give Trubisky a chance to win you this game because as good as Howard and Cohen are, the Saints defense, and this is crazy to hear, the Saints defense is good enough to where you've got to be, you know, you've got to have two facets. You can't just say, oh, their run defense is poor. We'll be able to beat them. Because here's another statistic. In the past four games, when they started their win streak, only one team in the NFL has allowed fewer points per drive, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's funny that the Jacksonville Jaguars are the team there, too. I mean, it's just a, yeah. it's a, it's a weird year for defense. Two very young defenses and youth. Look, youth. Here's the thing with youth: they're going to make mistakes, but that young speed is usually going to make a lot of plays, and that's what the Saints are doing. So um, they're young. You can catch them slipping up, and I think that's where the Bears have got to take advantage. Really use those type of plays that are going to confuse a young defense. But you also got to realize that that young defense is probably going to force turnovers too. So you got to be willing to take the risk and weigh it. What's the cost of this risk and what am I going to get in return for it? That seems unlikely from this offensive coordinator, at least in the first half. The Bears are largely a second half team offensively this year, which does not bode well specifically for this matchup. Like you said, the Saints much better at making the second half adjustments, but the Bears, the fourth quarter is when they end up putting points on the board offensively for the most part, and they've kind of struggled to just even consistently find the end zone. You know, they had to have Tariq Cohen throw that touchdown pass. They ran a, a fake punt pass touchdown a couple weeks ago against the Vikings, and really, Trubisky has led two scoring drives in his three games where he has actually scored the touchdown or, uh, you know, without the trick play, he kind of led that drive, but that play was still from 20 yards out. So there's really been two traditional scoring drives from this offense in three games, and yet they're two and one. So it feels like that's destined to fall down a little bit here one of these weeks, and maybe they'll pull out some trick plays to try and get the Saints defense guessing or these, you know, these young players that maybe aren't prepared for different looks and last week the Bears came out with a lot more you know 22 personnel and 13 personnel than we've seen they used to be more of an 11 personnel team but yeah as the wide receiver injuries have gotten up they they tried to they tried to match you know physicality with physicality and the Panthers largely won that with their front seven but I think like we talked about the game plan here for the Bears is going to be similar to last week and I, I just feel like this game has a similar feel to how the Packers and Saints went last week as far as you know the young quarterback on the other side who isn't able to even go over 100 yards in that game you know Brett Hundley that wasn't and Aaron Jones having that big rushing game but ultimately the Packers didn't have enough to to overcome yeah. the adjustments of that Saints defense and the scoring that the Saints were able to put together do you kind of get that vibe well I certainly do and the thing with New Orleans is just the style that they're playing now is more of a ball control 
wear you down offense right now. So you used to see the Saints just come out and they'll, they were the team that four drives became four touchdowns immediately. And you're like, crap, we have no chance to get back in this game. What happened? Now the Saints are more methodical. You know, Mark Ingram's running the ball a lot more. We're wearing you down. I mean, the, the Saints are, are trying to push to that 60, 70 play number where defenses really get worn out. And, you know, we're talking about the, the Saints defense versus the Bears, but honestly, this matchup really comes down to can the Bears defense replicate what they're doing in the past couple of weeks and stop the Saints? Because if you can't stop the Saints offense, I think we both agree the Bears offense can't keep up with the Saints offense. They just can't. Yeah. But what they can do is they can score enough to win if the defense holds tight. So I, I think for if you're the Chicago Bears defense looking into this, you've got to look at, I mean, who do you decide to stop this game and who do you let kill you? Do you let Drew kill you with the passing game or do you let the running game kill you? Uh, and I think it really is a th- one of those things where you have to choose. You have to say, I'm willing to let Kamara and Ingram run and take the short passes out of the flats, or I want to stack the box, stop the run, because the run has been very effective this year, and I'm going to allow Drew to try to win with these receivers. And I'll also make a note that it looks like the New Orleans Saints will be getting their slot possession receiver, Willie Sneed, back for this game. It'll be the first time, uh, the second time he's played this year. And then, of course, you got Michael Thomas. Vic Fangio, I think, the, the Bears defensive coordinator, he's tried to, I mean, every defensive coordinator tries to do both. You know, you want, you don't yeah. want to let the other team have one. And he's, you know, brought out more of like a 4-3 base defense the last couple of weeks, kind of out of nowhere to, you know, maybe get a couple more guys up on the line of scrimmage with some bulk. And I think we'll see more of that in this game. But the, the those long drives is what killed them early in the season when they were losing football games and that was the difference in the last couple of games they've cut down on the penalties and they've done a better job of actually getting off of the mm-hmm. field on third down because they ultimately you know they typically do a good job on first and second down they get teams into third and you know five plus maybe not always third and super long but third and difficult and that's when they you know they can't get the pass rush that play or they or someone slips and falls on the soldier field turf which yeah. happens eight times a game, but that that won't be the problem this week. But there, there was always some no baby oil on the field this week. Huh? No, <laughs> just I wondered then. You know, it's it's a question of how much can the Bears sustain what mm-hmm. they were able to do? Because you know, when they beat they beat the the Steelers earlier this year, and they beat Cam Newton last week, th- these were performances where, and even Joe Flacco before that, the quarterbacks aren't playing well, and the Bears have been able to take advantage of poor quarterback play in their wins but when they play Matt Ryan and Jameis Winston and to some extent what the Vikings were able to do although that one was not so much the case good quarterbacks have been able to score on this defense you know find openings and and get the running game going off of that and that might be my biggest concern entering this game just how poorly right now it feels like the Chicago Bears match up at least with their defense uh, against the Saints offense and I'll be honest man if this was two or three years ago Saints offense wise Man, if you had Vic Fangio, I would be scared as a Saints fan. Uh, but Vic has always been, I don't know if you know this, but Vic Fangio was actually the New Orleans Saints uh, defensive coach when the Dome Patrol was here, which is rated by most people as the greatest linebacking group in NFL history. He's always had usually good front sevens, good linebacking groups, but something that's always plagued him. And this season goes back to San Francisco in recent years when he had to go against the Seahawks. Those ball control offenses that run heavy, and really wear down his defense to late in the game. Seattle was able to consistently find success against him when he was with the 49ers, and I feel like the same type of teams like Atlanta. 
Chicago basically dominated y'all's game against Atlanta until the second half where it seemed like that defense was gassed. It's that same issue you're going to have to face with New Orleans here in New Orleans is the Saints are going to try to rack up plays. They're going to try to hit you with those 10-play drives, and they're going to try to do it multiple times to where your guys are getting tired. And then they're going to try to put the dagger in you late in the third or the fourth quarter. So how y'all are able to get off the field and force the Saints to get off the field early it is going to be key. How y'all do that, I'm not sure. I haven't, I've only watched a couple of games of film with the All 22 for y'all. So it's not enough to me to make a, an accurate uh, assumption of how good your defense is. But if you're, if you're going against Drew, I'll say this. Don't over blitz him because Drew's amazing against the blitz. Stack the box against the run and play solid coverage and make Drew make a mistake because he'll make a mistake if you let him. If you over blitz him and you're doing one on one coverages on the outside, Drew's going to eat you alive. But if you sit back in coverage and do those short zones, he usually makes a mistake a game and y'all can take that to your advantage. Yeah, Vic Fangio has been going, you know, last week against the Panthers, he brought the blitz like he had not all season, but He's yeah. largely a guy that doesn't blitz a ton, at least compared to NFL average. And that's against Cam Newton. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the, and the Saints are the opposite. And that's one thing I worry about Trubisky because the Saints are blitzing at 37% right now, which is top 10 in the NFL. And they're also running um, man coverage over 40%, which is pretty good. But they have the corners to do it. So when you got a young guy like Trubisky who's been sacked eight times the past two games – uh, the blitzing of Dennis Allen in the home could be troublesome for you guys. Yeah, and Fangio has gone to more, with the exception of last week, he'll do a lot more three-man rushes with eight guys dropping back, and I think yeah. we're going to see that this week. The problem is it hasn't worked very well. I mean, the Keem Hicks has gotten some decent pressure from it, surprisingly. Look, I'll tell you this. Akeem Hicks is the guy for y'all to watch this week because oh, I yeah. believe he's got a vendetta against New Orleans. And the guy he's most likely to line up against is the backup right guard because Larry Warford is going to be out. Did you hear his comments this week about Drew Brees or, or yeah. lack thereof? Well, yeah, the ones where he refused to comment and won't yeah. talk about New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's that's something. You know, that's not that's not a, a friendly. I don't want to talk anything bad about him. It's I don't want to talk anything good about him. And I'm happy for Hicks that he's finding success. He just he didn't find it here. He didn't find it in New England. And then whatever you guys got up there, he comes to Chicago and he turns into a new animal. He's always been the physically talented guy, but he he's flipped a switch up there with you. So I'm happy for him. Well, I want to touch real quick before we wrap up here, just briefly on special teams because I know Kamara has had some uh, a couple of nice returns here in the, in the kickoff game, but they've also had a number of different guys back there to to work some returns and. I know Ted Ginn does the punts and hasn't done, you know, a, a crazy, you know, nothing major. But yeah. do you do you feel like what, what, what do you feel like this the status of this Saints return game is like? Uh, the return game, it's it's not great, but it's not bad. Um, you, you've got a couple of guys like Tommy Lee Lewis um, and Ted Ginn who have the ability to pop off a nice 23rd, 40-yarder, but they're not going to do it consistently. Uh, the thing with the Saints is they've improved in their return coverage uh, and especially their punts. Thomas Morstead is one of the best punters in the league. I'm not sure if oh, yeah. you like punters, but the dude's got a leg. The problem is he's always had a pretty bad coverage unit, so he could punt it down the five and they run it back to the 30. This year that's changed, and in fact the Detroit Lions, which you guys are welcome for us beating them, <laughs> multiple punts got pinned within the five. And the Saints weren't usually pinning punts in the five-yard line because they couldn't do it. Their coverage just wasn't there. And when the pins happened, that led to two touchdowns. 
So I think for the Saints, the returns are not what they were hyped up to be when you add a guy like Ginn, but the coverage itself has improved a good deal, and that's pretty optimistic for Saints fans. Now the drawback, though, is, and this is good for you guys, if you punt to us, I don't have the confidence somebody's going to take it to the house. I don't have the confidence that Kamara and Tommy Lee Lewis on a kick return are going to get it past the 30. So in terms of field position, that's a win for you guys. But there is still the possibility that it happens. It's just a very rare occurrence. Yeah, the Bears have had some weird special team stuff this season. Blocked a field goal and then infamous return back and the, the fake punt pass and a couple big punt returns here and there that have been called back by penalties. So I always like to just mention it because it – it just seems like one way or another it comes up. I mean, it's an important part of the game. I mean, the Saints lost last year to the Denver Broncos on a blocked field goal that returned for a touchdown. And it always comes, like those kind of plays come just at the most random times. You know what I mean? There's not really Very any true. predictability to when a big special teams play is going to come. You know, sometimes they see something on tape that the te- you know, when a team's in a certain look for six weeks in a row, they play it a certain way and there's a, a vulnerability for a fake there or maybe it's – you know, if you bring one more rusher on this side of the field goal formation, they won't be able to block him because of how they yeah. set up. It's just weird little things like that, and for some reason, it's it's come up for the Bears. That's just the awesome part of the NFL. I mean, I believe, and like I said, I'm not the guy who is a homer, but talent-wise, I believe New Orleans at home is a pretty big favorite against the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. But I think also the Bears can get a pick returned or they could get some special teams plays where they can win this game. I mean, there, it's not one of those things where you go in and there's no chance. I mean, the Bears can win this game because the Saints have blown these type of games before. I mean, and that's one thing we love about the NFL, man. That's the parody of it. Any given Sunday, any team could win. Chicago's a good young team growing. I like what you guys got going forward. Well, give me your score prediction for this game. Don't feel bad if you pick the New Orleans Saints. Certainly four wins in a row. They are yeah. a hot team and you know what, what's your what's your score prediction and your general feeling for how it'll play out I, I feel that this is a 31 to 17 game I do feel the Saints will win by two scores because I just think and you mentioned it too so it's not just me being me that this in terms of matchups this is a very tough matchup for Chicago if this was at Soldier Field like uh, we played Green Bay last week I'd have this game much tighter I'd have this game more like a 21 17 game and I could say it could go either way but with it being at home in the Dome and just the way that the players are all lined out of how the scheme is set, I feel the Saints have a pretty big advantage here. So I say they put 30 points up but still allow Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen to find the end zone, win 31-17. I've, I've predicted a lot of Bears losses this season, and I've been wrong three times, I believe. And uh, so as, I, every week now I'm like a little bit hesitant. I'm like, well, <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe, but I don't know. I guess I, I feel the same way as you. Like I feel like from a, an objective football standpoint, this is a poor matchup for the Chicago Bears at a number of different positions uh, and just generally schematically what these two teams do. It feels like the Saints are going to be able to put up points and the Bears are going to have to put up points and they haven't shown a propensity this season to be able to do it consistently. I, I do think I, I'm, I'm going to put it a little bit closer than you did, but 17 points has been the magic regulation number for the Bears. So I'll put them at 17, and I'll keep the New Orleans Saints down to 27. I'll go 27-17. I, I would guess the Bears keep it pretty close into the fourth quarter maybe. you know, it Yeah, stays. and see, in my head, that's how it is, you know, where you guys have 17 at the end of the third and the Saints have got like 21, and then the fourth quarter they just – finish it off because they've worn you down and that's the dream scenario obviously i think one way or another 
you know, the Bears are going to have the ball in the fourth quarter, and the game's still going to yeah. be in reach. And Trubisky is going to have an opportunity to maybe drive down and make it a game again. And ultimately, you know, he gets sacked or, you know, on third down or something goes wacky where a receiver tips it up in the air and it's picked off or maybe a, a bad snap gets fumbled or something like that. And ultimately, the Bears fall short. But it's going to be, I think, an exciting game between two young you know, teams on the rise, and it's been an exciting podcast for me here with uh, a media personality who's also on the rise, much like his team. Deuce, it has been a pleasure having you on. Can you remind my listeners here where they can find you on Twitter and what it is you do out in the Twitter world? Well, man, look, I, I do a little bit of everything, and I think um, and just to use this to segue, and if anybody's interested in becoming, you know, somebody media covering the NFL or college football, and or you're actually wanting to make it into the league as something like a scout, one of the things that I do is I work with the Scouting Academy, which is directed by Dan Hatman, was a scout with three teams, and man, the the staff that we have there to teach some of this stuff is just incredible. I mean, we've got 17 Lombardi trophies, over 460 years of coaching experience. We've got former general managers. In fact, a former um, Bears uh, yeah, general Phil manager. Emmett, right? Or Jerry Angelo. Jerry Angelo. So guys that you would be familiar with. Hey, we've been doing a lot of work with them. We've only been um, operating for a few years now, so it's still growing, but it's just some great things we're doing there. And my Twitter handle is at RevDeuceWindham. That's R-E-V D-E-U-C-E-W-I-N-D-H-A-M. And my main thing is you can find me. Yes, I cover the Saints, but with the Scouting Academy, we're doing player evaluations and actual film study, teaching how to evaluate a player and just kind of opening up the book on that and giving us some information and inviting people to come learn with us all the stuff we have going on. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, and that's the same Scouting Academy that I referenced on my Thursday podcast. Uh, our friend Michael Kist from Lockdown Eagles he sent me his Dontrell Inman scouting report, and I was able to read that for my listeners on the Thursday show. So definitely some Scouting Academy influence here on the Lockdown Bears podcast. And, of course, reach out to Deuce and even Dan on Twitter if you're interested at all in there because it's a, a great group of people they have working over there that produce some pretty intelligent football minds, as my listeners have been able to tell from the last half hour on the podcast. Deuce, it's been a pleasure, and thanks again for coming on. Thank you very much, man. It's an honor for you to consider me to even come on and talk Saints with you, so really appreciate it.